0: It's a summer rage with Cage, cook a combo breaker. We interrupt when animals attack. For this summer rage
1: with Cage edition of Con Air. That's right, folks. Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, Summer Rage with Nicolas Cage takes flight one last time. We're bored in the jailbird with all manner of hoodlums, thieves, and murderers. It's Con Air.
0: Hops.
1: Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by revengeofthefans.com.
0: You can't... Listen, I, I could barely put up with Nick Cage doing that voice the entire movie. I'm not going to put up with you doing that voice the entire pod. It, it's
1: just for the opening.
0: Okay, but still.
1: Life in podcasts and jail is hard, but we sure appreciate all the snowballs, Doritos, and monster truck magazines you sent us while we've been doing this. Killing time isn't easy on the inside. But it goes a lot faster when you got friends like Captain Hide the Stash Cash.
0: Uh, am I supposed to introduce myself here? Yes, sir. I, I kindly.
1: Just,
0: I am I am truly stunned. Less by the mullet that you've chosen to wear for this event and more by that accent. But uh, here we are. Hi, everybody.
1: Well, I do appreciate you saying that, Hide the Stash Cash. And here's my other friend, the opal octopus, chumpsilla
2: Howdy, folks. (laughs) Mr. Wizard, this is your barbecue, and I like the way it tastes.
1: We were supposed to have man Sleepy Eyes McCheese with us today, but we had to throw him off the plane because we had to tip off an FBI agent to our whereabouts. So he is now dead, and we wish him well in the afterlife. He actually
0: fell asleep before we could record this podcast. So, actually, he's kind of ahead of the curve of his usual thing, so,
1: you know. Uh... So that's the last of my southern accent. Maybe I can't guarantee that. Thank uh, God. <laughs> uh, points of order. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at hops and boflops. You can find myself at Reddit I, I think
0: I speak for the fan when I say, please stop.
1: Captain Cash, where can they find you, sir?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, uh. <laughs> cradling myself rocking back and forth having nightmares having to listen to that accent uh but on social media you can find me at
1: c-a-p-t-c-a-s-h and of mr chumpzilla where can they find you good sir
2: you can find me on twitter at chumpzilla 8 and on google plus
1: and tonight we're drinking danny trejo's cerveza which i thought was fitting It is a Mexican craft lager with a 4.7 ABV. So like Machete himself, it'll cut you up pretty deep if you have too many. And it is, and I quote this because it says it on the can, the nectar of the Mexican gods. So we're going to crack one of those open right now.
0: Cheers. Make that three.
1: And that'll lead us right into my first question. How many beers do you think are required for a rewatch of this incredible... Movie.
0: So I like this is a departure from our normal movie going because this thing made a bunch of money. And mm-hmm. while there is a lot of casual racism and sexism and sexual violence uh in this film that has not aged particularly well. Not uh, at all. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the film is still pretty watchable and fun and it moves along in a clip and I don't know, I like two. I'm not
1: two beers. I'm not,
0: you don't have to rush through it. It's, it's enjoyable. You know, if you have a third grade or if you only get through one fine, but yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Captain
2: cash. Uh, I think this is a three beer movie for me. It's an hour and 15 minutes long. So if you crack a beer every 25 minutes or so, you're yeah, it's about right. And it's very watchable and uh, yeah well paced entertaining 90s action movie problematic today but i will say this they do go out of the way to draw some lines of moral conviction with the characters. so it's the movie sort of is self-aware but yeah there's still some stuff that does not play well today
1: at all uh for example danny trejo's character johnny 23 is not good and if you're feeling really daring you can try to drink 23 of these beers <laughs> But that might, in fact, kill you, like Billy Bedlam did his entire wife's family.
2: I also think that's called the Wade Boggs Conair
1: Challenge. Yes, and uh should be noted, if you don't know the story about Wade Boggs, he's the third baseman, he played a little while ago. He once drank an entire case of beer on a cross-country flight. <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah. His, his life was also saved by Mr. Perfect during a hunting accident. Also a fact. Anyways, Conair... I did not know that. Yeah, he got caught in some uh, barbed wire. Mr. Perfect uh, picked him up and carried him back to their car. He would have bled out, apparently. Especially when he'd been drinking 67 beers before they started the hunt.
2: Yeah, and another dozen during.
1: Yeah, so Conair, released in 1997, was directed by Simon West. This was his first big screen movie. Uh, You've probably heard of him because he's also directed... Tomb Raider, The Expendables 2, The General's Daughter. Uh, He did another Nick Cage movie pretty recently called Stolen. Not great. It actually, I think, stole the plot of Taken. Uh, If I were being honest, I'd probably say this is his best movie. And I say that as someone whose entire childhood manifested itself on screen during The Expendables 2. I still think this is his best movie. I mean, given the other three options, what would you guys think? Tomb Raider obviously sucked. The the 1998 Tomb Raider, not the new one. I feel
0: like this is, yeah. No, I, I side with you on this. It, this would be the best film that he has done.
2: Did this uh, outgross Tomb Raider and Expendables 2? Do we have the math on that?
1: I think it outgrossed the Expendables 2. I don't think it outgrossed Tomb Raider.
2: Okay, because this movie made $224 million. and let's yeah let's do the math on that, folks. Let's check this out. And filmography on our boy. Let's see here. Tomb Raider, because Tomb Raider actually made a bunch of money, though.
1: Tomb Raider did do well, it, well enough to get a sequel.
2: Okay, 274. So Tomb Raider did a little bit better. Of course, that's $2,001. And then Expendables 2, what did that pull in? Expendables 2, 315 million. Wow. Okay. So anyway, but, regardless but time of that.
0: makes a difference there, doesn't it?
2: Well, yeah. And I think, too, the Chinese market when you get to Expendables helps because that there's a much bigger foreign market for that kind of film. Anyway, I would say regardless, uh, this is probably his best regarded work. I think people have better memories of Con Air than they do Tomb Raider or The Expendables 2.
0: That's a good like, point.
2: I mean, th- this movie is very 90s. It's much like Face Off. You know, this is yes, a very yeah. '90s movie. It feels like the '90s. It felt like the '90s when you watched it. Like it was a hip, it thing happening. It had whatever the '90s had. It had it
0: in spades. A lawless, lawless time full of a
2: lawless time criminals
0: with with, with uh,
2: you know bigoted sensibilities. Yes,
1: there's something that's aged very poorly about action movies that came basically post 1995. And it's a lot of what you just said, chumpsilla is the weird humor they decided to incorporate. But just the way they're shot and the way they feel is like totally different than movies that came even five years before them. My thesis
0: is that this film is actually just Armageddon, but instead of oil riggers convicts.
1: That's a terrible thesis, though, because this yeah, literally that's... is just Passenger 57 or Die Hard on a Plane. It's just a Die Hard ripoff.
2: So... I will take what you've laid down there Captain Cash and take it to its logical conclusion. What you're really saying is that this movie falls into the vein of action movies that Captain or excuse me, <clears throat> that Mr. Wizard just pointed out have aged poorly because there's something to be said about the music video quality of the way they're shot and paced and framed. This is the result of the MTV generation. Yep. These were Aerosmith
0: videos with explosions.
1: They're built on soundtracks. Which is weird, because this opens with, what, How Will I Live Without You? Well, and and that was nominated for an Oscar. So, like, (sighs) that song is selling the movie to basically teenage girls. Like, oh, you should go see this, because this is in this movie. And you should buy the soundtrack, because it's in this movie. And, oh, uh, older redneck gentleman it's also got Sweet Home Alabama, so you should go see this movie. It's all about, like, the... I mean, I can't imagine how much they spent on the soundtrack for this. It's only a $75 million movie, but we're going to get there. Because this yeah. movie is stacked. It stars Nicholas, Primal, Cage. We didn't get that joke in during the Primal pod. We might as well use it now. As Cameron Poe. John Teddy KGB Malkovich as Cyrus the Virus. Ving, I Have the Meats, Rames as Diamond Dog. John, in your eyes, Cusack is Vince Larkin. Steve, crazy eyes, Buscemi is Garland Green. Danny, the patron saint of Mexican beer, Trejo is Johnny Twenty Three. Dave Abazava Chappelle is Pinball. McKelly, shrimp a la mode, shrimp a la mode. Williamson, see, I did the Southern accent again, still bad. As Babyo, Cole Meany as Duncan Malloy. M C. Cole, De- I'm dicking around on the hollow deck, and none yeah. of this is real, Meany. <laughs> MC, the worst use of a nude scene in the history of cinema. Ganey is Swamp Thing. It's not in this movie. It's in Sideways. And a host of other people. Now, in reading that list of names, can you think off the top of your head a cast that is more stacked than that? And now remember, this is an original IP. It's not a sequel. It's not bringing a whole bunch of people together. That is a stacked, stacked cast of people. No,
0: I can't think... Like, Unless you're talking about things like... The Expendables, where it is deliberately bringing back famous people to be in a film. Like, I think the key between those films and this film is none of these people had hit yet. Like, no one knew who Dave Chappelle was and would continue not to know who Dave Chappelle was for another, like, four or five years before his show came out. Like, this is before b semi hit big. This is before being John Malkovich. All of this was just, like, they lucked out and got all the people that were about to just take off to the fucking moon as far as fame goes. It's a lot of character actors, like serious
1: actors. Yeah. Malkovich yeah. is reportedly like furious most of the time they shot this because it was being rewritten so much. He couldn't figure out what his character's motivations were. Turns out there really aren't any because he's just a he, typical evil guy. He's
2: a
0: bad guy for bad guy reasons.
2: Don't yeah. worry about it. He just I mean, wants to see the world burn. Um, yeah, I, I actually do have an answer for you, Mr. Wizard. There's one movie and only one movie that I can think of that comes anywhere close to this. And I think it does just because it's got some more serious actors that are a little further along in their careers, uh, to Captain Cash's point, And that would be true romance. And I know I'm i I'm a big true romance Stan. I've made it as a recommendation on the pod. I might even Captain cashed it up and done it twice, uh, inadvertently, but yeah, True Romance has got a killer cast. I mean, you've got um, what's that? Christian Slater, yeah, Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Christopher Walken, uh, Dennis Hopper, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Penn, Tom Sizemore, uh, Val Kilmer, uh, uncredited. Brad Pitt uh, too, right? Brad Pitt, yep. uh, Michael Rattenport, yep, uh, James Gandolfini, and
0: uh, Bronson Pinochet.
1: Pinchot's the man, Pinchella, isn't uh
0: Balky. Did did we miss uh, what's his name? I'm in everything. Zorg in.
1: Did uh, you say Gary Oldman? Thelman. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Yeah, thank so, you.
0: I don't think we oh, got yeah, Gary.
2: Oldman. yeah, oh yeah, Drexel the pimp. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, how could I forget?
1: Yeah, no, that would. I would agree. That's stacked. Uh, but for like a really silly, stupid movie about uh army ranger who just happens to be on a plane taken over by convicts this cast is insane and a lot of people are wasted for the most part uh i think buscemi with what little he has is like one of the guys who salvages just being sort of a side piece in this movie because most Uh, of the people you could have hired just about anybody
2: well i think again part of the 90s music video sensibilities you get here it was really strange that you got an entire side like a c plot almost for buscemi yeah. yeah, which was re- Where? W- which was really interesting. The movie doesn't suffer for it. It was it was an interesting twist, but it's like you don't get that so much anymore. I feel like in an action movie, you wouldn't get that much attention to a side character. Jeez. Like the ch- the chicken predator doesn't get that much, like you know, of an arc and development.
0: <laughs> and especially yeah. in a movie that's a hundred and fifteen minutes.
1: Yeah, no, it's it is ch- sort of chalk full of stuff, and it has a lot of actually like B and C plots that for a straightforward action movie, like Larkin has a lot to do, which is John Cusack. Uh, even Cole Meany, the, the stereotypical dickhead DEA agent, has more to do than you would think he does. He's essentially the guy that shows up in Die Hard and looks at his partner and goes, just like Saigon, hey Slick. That's his role.
0: The Johnsons. yeah, Special Agent Johnson and Special Agent Johnson. You're absolutely right. That's, that's the role he plays in this. Yeah, and to my
2: point, the movie doesn't suffer f- for it. It's paced. Well, it keeps all these plots moving and most of them get tied up set in a satisfying fashion. And it doesn't, for a movie that's longer than your standard action schlock, it doesn't feel like it drags at any point, And it doesn't feel long. It, it, it's paced very well and, and it keeps things frantic and it keeps you engaged.
1: Yeah. And speaking of the plot, we're going to get there in just a sec, but Captain Cash brought up, this is not a flop. Uh, at all, raked in, a lot of money, $224 million, budget 75. million. Uh, it barely lost out to Face Off, which came out the same year. Face Off made 245.7, so a pretty damn good year for Cage. The year prior, he starred in The Rock, which made $335 million. Now, I have a question before we do tackle the plot, and the plots uh, are one-sense descriptions, because from 1996 to 1998, Nicolas Cage started in six straight movies, nearly six, because the last one didn't make 100. Six straight $100 million movies. The Rock, Con Air, Face Off, City of Angels, Snake Eyes, and 8mm, rest in peace, Joel Schumacher, which is the only reason I put it on the list, because it didn't make 100, but it made like 96. Can you think of a better run? Now, we don't count Marvel. You can't count franchises that don't basically rely solely on the actors, they're more about the characters. These were original, unique IPs. None of them were sequels. None of them were remotely connected. They spanned genres.
0: Yeah, that shit doesn't happen anymore. It just doesn't.
2: (laughs) No, this was a clear point in time where Nicolas Cage, for whatever reason, was the biggest actor on the planet. As unlikely as that sounds today, that was absolutely, at that time, in the mid-90s, where we were at. He was he was a name, and he was in everything.
1: Yeah, and City of Angels made nearly two hundred million dollars. So I did look this up, and The Rock has done it almost twice in his career—have six straight. He's had five straight, but in those five, he always has like a big tentpole franchise. But most recently, he had like Rampage, Central Intelligence, Baywatch. He did it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you think about that, Rampage is based on a game, yeah. Baywatch is based on a thing, Like, and I mean, he's got the Fast and Furious franchise that yeah, he shows that, up too. Yeah.
1: And correct me if I'm
2: wrong, City of Angels, that's basically like the notebook, right? It was like a weird supernatural well, romantic...
1: He's an angel and he falls in love with Matt yeah. Ryan, who then gets hit by a bus, which is probably the highlight of the movie because it's terrible. Spoilers. Uh, it doesn't spoilers. work out Sorry. great. Sorry if you haven't seen City of Angels, she went it, to hell, so she you, they didn't you, get to you've be had together. Thirty again. years. So. That was yeah. it.
2: In eight millimeter, was John Cusack in that as well?
1: I don't remember, but that is a weird movie. And for that, that's to make about the, damn that's a near hundred million dollars. That's
2: a snuff yeah. film. Yeah, I, I thought, <laughs> oh I, thought I thought I thought Cusack played the cop in that, or was Cage
1: the cop in that? Well, Kate, I don't. It's been a long time. Snake Eyes, I like. That's a Brian De Palma film. I missed all those movies. Some of them were re- reviewed better than others. I remember 8mm not being reviewed particularly well. Snake Eyes, same deal.
2: Joaquin Phoenix, not not uh, Cusack in 8mm with Cage. Joaquin Phoenix, sorry. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, this was reviewed fairly well for something that is as loud, brash, and dumb as it actually is. It was 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. This audience gave it a 75%. I was uh, just
2: going to say, I think 55
0: is too low. 55 does feel low. It feels low for this movie. Yeah.
1: I mean, considering Face-Off is a 92, yeah, I'd say it's too low. Woo! (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, If you average the two of those scores, I feel like you have an accurate score for both.
1: I think that'd be the fairest assessment of it, yeah.
0: I I mean, because to me, they're both quintessential
2: popcorn flicks. I don't think there's a
1: huge difference in
2: quality or tone. Now, granted, I think having Travolta makes that movie seem a little bit bigger. But, like, to your point, Captain Cash, the the cast in this is crazy. Maybe just not as recognizable at the time,
0: but anyway. Which is hilarious, because look at everybody else's career post this film versus, I mean, not to be a dick about it, but Travolta and Cage right now. It's a a very different experience.
1: Well, you know, prior to the incredible run, Cage did win his Oscar. So I guess it's a really incredible run. That's very true. And I would say, of the big three cage action movies, you have The Rock, you have Face Off, you have this. This is probably the worst, but they're all good. Like, he made three yeah. really awesome action movies in the span oh, of a yeah. year. Like
2: Yeah, I, I, I put those in their own like little category. I don't really think those movies are dramatically better than each other. They're just different.
1: They all have glaring plot holes and pretty terrible scripts.
2: Yeah, they're not very <laughs> smart movies. They're popcorn <laughs> flicks. Yeah. Yeah, they're popcorn no. flicks absurd premises that they go all the way with and
1: they're entertaining now in saying that how would you describe the absurd premise of this film in one sentence
2: okay let me take a crack at this gentlemen. nick cage stars as alabama man he's quick he's strong he's happening he can pull, he can drink he can drink some more he saves his wife and sleeps it off alabama man in a movie surprisingly not directed by michael bay but instead is the directorial debut of the guy who directed the music video for Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. That's true, folks. Yeah. That I, is a true fact.
1: That is true. Never yes. gonna con you
2: up. Never gonna fly please. plane. Every time you've been Rick Roll, you're watching the work of the guy that directed Con Air.
0: Man. You know, I take it back. That, that was his... That's his claim to immortality. It's not this film. It's not Tomb Raider, and it's certainly not The Expendables 2. It is absolutely never going to give you up.
2: I really had to bite my tongue earlier when I mentioned this had some music video type qualities because this has got that manic, uh, just fast-paced, quick cuts, choppy, frantic pace uh, uh, that you feel like you know some of the stuff feels like set pieces from a music video. So it makes sense. That's where this guy uh, came from. He, before working on Con Air,
0: he had done commercials and music videos. Here's 70 million dollars. Go make a movie about convicts on a plane. All sure. right, and Not but a make bad it make, deal.
2: Yeah, and make it as slick as possible. And I think that's that's part of it. This movie feels slick.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It if feels I had, slick, to... it looks slick. Yeah. If I'm gonna give this a one sentence description, I'm gonna call it. Chief O'Brien is dicking around on the holodeck to see what kind of an asshole he can be.
1: I mean, he he deserves his car getting destroyed in the end of the movie. Uh, My one-sentence description, Hair Force One.
2: Ah,
0: son of
1: a bitch!
2: (laughs) Okay. So, you opened the door here, Mr. Wizard. Uh, This actually was the second top-grossing plane-related movie of the year. Can you tell me what number one was? I mean, Air Force One, I'm going to
0: assume. Air Force One. This this was outburst by Air Force One. This is
1: Air Force One. The actual description. Newly paroled ex-con and former U.S. ranger Cameron Poe finds himself trapped in a prisoner transport plane when the passenger sees control.
0: Before we go any further, I have one question I would like answered, and it is this. Who is working harder in this film... And achieving less by working that hard—is it Nick Cage with the accent or Nick Cage's wig?
1: Oh, the uh, the accent, I think. Yeah,
2: I just—is
0: it though? Cause
2: the wig looked good to me, man. No complaints. Yeah. Now I'm not a good judge on this because I had no problem with the hairpiece in the in the fanatic. So, yeah, good you're boy. terrible
1: judge because that hairpiece is something straight from the depths of hell that the accountant sent up to put on John Travolta's head.
2: Yeah. Uh, also, I think it's worth noting at this point that can we ignore the fact that we've got a Cameron Poe and a Damron Poe? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Let's just we, get that out of the way right now. We
0: need to check the receipts on what J.J. was writing for that oh, yeah. first morning. Like He was like, fuck, I need a pilot, planes character name what was what the was, uh, cage's name in oh i got it i'll yeah. just yeah come on. dameron as opposed to cameron poe
1: yeah i gotta be Son honest of a bitch. Uh, cameron poe would whoop he would beat the shit out of poe dameron
2: <laughs> yeah and, and i'll just take this opportunity to say can we stop trying to make oscar isaac
0: happen i'm just sick of it uh no no Oscar Isaac uh, will remain the Internet's boyfriend for as long as I have an Internet. No, I gotta tell no, you, that new Adam's
2: not,
1: family sucked. And,
2: oh, and I've said this before, man. he's not the <laughs> Internet's boyfriend. He's the Internet side piece. Please, I think Keanu Reeves would like to That's have a word fair. with you. Yeah, no. but no, not, Keanu Reeves we're, we're, is the Internet's husband. Yeah. Okay, okay, so, but still, I'm just, I don't know. i was just reading an old Rolling Stone magazine, and I forgot. Oscar Isaac had done a Cohen's brother movie where he was like a folk singer with
1: Inside Justin Davis. Timberlake.
2: Yeah, and I'm like, what? How long have we been trying to make this guy happen? Just stop already.
1: Okay, we're actually no. going to get to the plot now. Oh, okay, good, good. Plot of this movie. We'll just get through it. Uh, I left out a lot of stuff because honestly, it's kind of convoluted and a lot of shit happens in this movie. Okay.
2: Yeah, I'll put in my my standard disclaimer, Mr. Wizard. This should take less than a minute.
1: So Cameron Poe, the American hero, returns home to his pregnant wife, who for some reason works at a bar with more violence issues than the double deuce. A few regulars and future MAGA supporters <laughs> hassle she and Cameron at the bar. Later, they confront Cameron in the parking lot. Predictably, he beats the shit out of these cowards and goes on to... <laughs> beats the shit out of these cowards who crap on servicemen and spend their nights talking about how awful everything is as they drown their sorrows in Budweiser and Marlboro Reds.
0: uh, I also think it's worth noting the thing that absolutely dates this film is to take a shot at Cameron Poe. They're like, it's because of you we lost Nam. I'm like, I really don't feel like,
1: like... how often does that come up anymore? All right, Well, cool. wait a minute.
0: And
2: he's not nearly old enough to have been able to fight in Nam. Not so even
1: close. So... Nor was he drafted. He volunteered on his own reconnaissance. <laughs> so, and the people that went to Vietnam are not cowards. The so, guy sitting at the bar talking about how everything sucks and how he wants to sexually assault the barmaid is the coward.
2: We're going to get there. But I think much more unbelievable than... Cage's accent or his wig is the fact that they try to convince us that an Alabama judge and jury would convict an army ranger of manslaughter. Like even in the nineties, I just don't see that flying. Like people that people still wrap themselves in the flag and there's no way they would have found him guilty. Yeah. Like,
1: that, like, the, 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 like the, that's not, that doesn't make any there sense. There was approximately 300 it, witnesses who saw him being a jerk and who know that he's a total piece of shit because he's there every day drinking and harassing the the waitresses. And they go out of the way to show you that
2: the knife is removed from the scene. So therefore there's no,
1: but this also
2: plays into the completely bullshit and nonsensical Oh, but you are held to a higher standard because you have special training from the U.S. military, and you—you know—it's basically—it's like, like a really weird version of the A Team. It's like, no, that's not how any of this works. Your
0: fists like, are deadly weapons, so you not, can't but, possibly be treated as a normal person. Wait, what?
1: What? That's, yeah, that is, that's, 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 that
0: that's not works?
2: how that works. No. Uh,
1: can no. we not anyway. shit on the narrative of the A Team, which is like my favorite childhood show? I mean, to be fair,
0: if you're asking these kinds of questions you're in the wrong movie. Right. The guy just has to go to jail and he has to go to jail in such a way that
1: he remains completely sympathetic. Not to mention that his lawyer goes, if you plead guilty, you're getting four years. And then he pleads guilty and then just goes, ah, fuck it. Change my mind. You're getting seven (laughs) to 10.
2: So first off, I'm not shitting on the A team. Uh, I will say their premise makes more sense because at least they were framed. Uh, whereas this is just like, they don't believe him. Uh, (laughs) And, yes, he also has the worst attorney ever. The guy even looked like a shitty attorney. Like, where where was my cousin Vinny? I'm just saying.
0: Like, my cousin look, Vinny would have got him off. He's eating grits. Marissa Tomei would have got him off like that. And then yes. probably, like, been a better lawyer than his lawyer.
2: Uh, okay, and then one last non sequitur here. Is it just me, or does his wife look like Margot Robbie's, like, mother? Or hey. sister? I
0: I'm feel like, like oh, cousin. Cousin.
2: Cousin.
1: This was her first big movie, Monica Potter. And for I, I guess it's kind of silly I didn't name her or the other female co-stars. But the cast is so incredibly stacked. Uh, it's kind well, of crazy.
2: well, it's just, to your defense, this was a 90s movie and all the female characters were underwritten and basically sexual assault was their sexual it's assaults was used as a blood point
0: yeah Yeah. yeah this, so this is not gonna peck, pass the Bechdel test kids so N- traveling
1: nope. back in time the reason he gets sent to prison is because he does the move that everybody knows cannot actually kill you to the biggest asshole of the bunch of MAGA supporters who had pulled a knife on him to try and murder him uh, the old uh, nose uh, you know bone up into the brain maneuver which as a you know child you're like hey make sure you don't do that man you'll kill him and he does that and kills him. So whoever wrote the script clearly had talked about fighting a lot in, like, the fourth grade and then had never researched it again.
2: This opening scene and the courtroom stuff has a very, like, late grade school understanding of the worldview mentality. Like, that's the way the courts work. That's the way evidence works in a criminal trial. And, yes, you can get your, your nose bone shoved into your brain. Again. With, the, with a
0: palm your- strike. If you're asking these questions, you're in the wrong movie. He just has to go to jail. He just has to be in jail in a way that makes him completely sympathetic to the audience. Yes,
1: And you know what makes him more sympathetic? He's in jail. Cue the voiceovers, of which I tried to replicate at the beginning of this pod, of Cameron writing letters to and reading letters from his daughter. The accent really shines here. It doesn't. That's a lie. The accent here is most
0: noticeable because there's nothing else there. You're just left to sit with the accent as it, like, drones over the stuff that's going on. And yeah, and there's
2: nothing interesting on the screen, so you really
0: focus on the spoken word.
1: And it's whoosh. One of the things that bothered me most about this movie, uh, and this is really silly, but it did, was that uh, baby Bubba from Forrest Gump, always delivers him books. But Baby-O's his cellmate, so why he's locked in the cell and being delivered books from his cellmate doesn't make any sense. Sure it does. No, yeah, just bring should, them back. That's his Shawshank, prison job. Have you haven't seen
2: Shawshank, he, he's on his rounds. He delivers books to everybody. He would That's just
1: one bring one the them stops. back when his rounds were done. and. not.
0: Yeah, see, I
1: don't know enough he, he, about prison
0: to make those kind of claims.
2: he I'm, do it on his way by. He's got to do the, the cell next door on each side. He, so he stops be, there as if, trip. as
1: if they're not really good buddies. But we all know they are good buddies because they end up being cellmates. But that's also just a way of like showing that he's going with him because Baby only exists for like this absurd scene that happens later in the movie, which we'll get to. Uh, so in these letters, he reveals to his daughter he's getting out. He's coming home for her birthday, July 14th. To get home, though, he must board the Jailbird, a prison transport plane transferring the worst of the worst, a.k.a. people who are bad enough to have earned silly nicknames that must have looked a lot better on paper.
2: Yeah, which also makes no sense, but just roll with it. Don't
0: don't ask me more questions. Yes, yeah, and no. say, if you're asking why, they do provide lip service in, we've built a new Supermax. Now, are we to accept that all the people that are on the jailbird are currently housed at the present Supermax with Nick Cage? We're just going to go with yes, because the more you think about it, the less this makes sense. So don't think about it completely. I, 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 what yeah. I'm just saying here is that it doesn't make a lot of sense to take
2: an ex-Army Ranger, relatively good guy in on manslaughter and lump him in with a bunch of psychos and, and, and nutjobs. Like, Listen, he's
0: just catching are, a ride back home. He's just but, catching a ride back home. But you, you, but you don't. He yeah, he made guys, parole.
2: He'd fly commercial. Yeah, commercial. You'd fly <laughs> commercial. Yeah, they just they just bring you on the plane in chains and uh, fly you. That's that's not how the world works. But again, if you if you're in like you know seventh grade or, or fifth grade, none of this is going to bother you. You just keep going.
1: So about not asking questions. Here are some of those silly nicknames: Billy Bedlam, Diamond Dog, Johnny Twenty Three, Cyrus the Virus, Pinball, and there's others. There's no real explanation. To the name pinball because as he introduces himself he's just kind of a drug a drug addict I think it, uh, he, yeah he bounces
0: around from crime to crime
1: pinball's like not Goonball. uh he's not a real character he's just dave chappelle literally improving every line of his of the movie
0: which is weird because it's one of the things that works the most well in this film
1: yeah it he's pretty i mean there's a lot of bad dialogue, so it's sort of welcome that he just made up his own lines because his lines are actually good.
0: Because he sounds like a thing a person
2: would say, yeah. Right, like I think one of the funniest lines he has is when he asks Cyrus the virus, "Hey, did you really mean that?" I'm not going to say it because it's an insensitive comment, and he's like, "No, no, of course I did." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but but it's kind of funny because it's Hand like the that's gun? what. Yes I did <laughs> that's like what a normal person would ask like hey man did you really mean that like you know he was kind of like the he for a brief moment there he was the audience's avatar on screen and I think killing him uh, relatively early in the action sequences of the movie is kind of a bummer like
0: he was one of the better characters Not that's your mention. standard that's your standard shoot out the clowns yeah like all right shits are shit's about to get real mean. So let's get rid of the the funny
1: prisoner. Not to mention his death is like relatively inconsequential as is all death in this movie because it is really just like, all right, here we go. Let's destroy a bunch of shit and kill people with impunity. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah,
1: and, and they,
2: the they they go out of your way to let you know that the 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 prisoners are expendable, right? That's they make it very clear the prisoners are expendable. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to sympathize with any of them except for Poe. I mean, the guards yeah. are expendable
1: because you don't sympathize yeah. sympathize with any of them aside no, from all pricks, uh, pricks too. Yeah. The female guard from Total Recall. Is there a best nickname?
0: None of them are good, especially when yeah. I hear the name Billy Bedlam. I feel like that guy was supposed to be like IRA, which would have made sense then, but he is very obviously Wait, not. What? Like IRA, yeah. Irish Republican Army.
2: Like <laughs> no, I know. I'm just what? I'm 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 questioning your non sequitur there. I'm like uh, his,
0: his name is Billy Bedlam. Bedlam is a name that it, or that is a word that is far more common in the English lexicon than it is the American lexicon. So, well,
2: uh, well, okay, your sports ball knowledge or lack thereof is showing here. Bedlam's also the annual football game between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Fine, still. So, but anyway, I just, I, yeah, no, I follow you. I
0: follow you. It feels like a name like that, there should have been more to the character, like oh, well, there should really have been more metal. to all the characters. He he blew up a bunch of cars in wow. Boston. Okay. So
2: so wait, hold on. I think we're shortchanging it here. Okay. Well, you have to go with the car bomb, it's Irish you with car bomb. That's racist. Well, okay. I, so that's what the, it was the nineties <laughs> and that's what the IRA no, was famous for. It, it would have been part for the course, yeah. No, but I think they do attempt at some like level of backstory they give us the very john cusack's character larkin gives us the very suicide squad-esque rundown of all the the people on the plane like they yes. give you Listen. a lot of exposition
1: and johnny 23 there. doesn't get one which i feel had to have been cut from the movie because that character is like so repugnant but well, he gives you it don't himself need the voiceover really yeah a, you
0: say suicide squad this is the same scene that exists in Armageddon where they're running down the various Oilers like, oh, it's
1: Rockhound,
0: and it's, you know, Cliff Jumper. It's It's a Jerry
1: Bruckheimer production. Yeah,
2: very GI Joe. I mean, Jerry Bruckheimer certainly
1: had a template. Uh, My vote would have been for the Marietta Mangler, which is Steve Buscemi's character, which I didn't mention, but that's the one that really is the only one that really makes sense because he was a serial killer, and thus... Earning a nickname like Cyrus the Virus's nickname is stupid. He's not a computer hacker. Here's the thing about Cyrus the Virus: they very
0: explicitly tell you he is 39 years old and has spent 25 years in jail. He's escaped twice. That means he went in at 14. Well, he was tried as an adult. He, but so he escaped and then did all this other stuff because that's the only thing I could fucking think of. He killed a lot of people
1: in prison.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He built his, his rep in prison. Yeah. Yeah. As they say.
1: And at playing so, poker games illegally in New York.
2: So <laughs> I I what I'm really disappointed in is we don't get a nickname for Poe.
1: He does have a nickname. The hare. Yeah. <laughs> the confident condor. He takes over Con Air, which by the way there is the title drop in this movie. Which we'll get there. Roll credits. Uh yeah. Because that is a running theme of the pod. Once the convicts take over, what does Cyrus the virus say? Welcome it, or welcome to Con Air. Con Air uh, and, said the name of the movie in the movie. In the yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, there's essentially two concurrent plots running. I'm really going to wash over most of the Cusack and the DEA guy stuff because, I mean, you know that there had to be a plot for him to pull this off. So anyway, Cyrus is the leader of the mutiny. He's been paid a large sum of money to free the son of a cartel leader. That prisoner is being picked up at their first stop in Carson City. Now, the DEA, prior to takeoff, had planted a man on the plane to get information from the son. This guy is the worst DEA agent in cinema history. I'm confident in saying that because he is a total, total shit clown. He does everything wrong from Jump Street.
2: Yes, he seems completely incompetent and
1: particularly on
0: dump street
1: <laughs> he that gets, would make more sense he gets himself murdered because Colmini's character plants a gun in him even though there's not supposed to be any guns on Conair there's only one gun in the cockpit and an arsenal underneath the plane which I'm going to talk about later which that that bugged me too they're like oh why's he got a gun i'm like
0: you have guns on the like you you make a point that there shouldn't be guns on the plane and then you say oh
1: but there's the stockhold wait what <laughs> The whole thing is ridiculous. Why doesn't every guard have a gun? These all—all yeah. all these people are in cages.
0: I, okay. To so, be fair, I'm, I'm asking the wrong questions. Yeah. It's not that uh, kind again. Of, yeah, not that kind of movie. My bad.
1: So he gets murdered. Now Cyrus has two guns instead of one. Now Cyrus had planned this takeover for months, but he didn't account for one thing: Cameron Poe, greasy-haired mullet. Nicholas Cage is not about to let a murderer like John Malkovich ruin his reunion with his daughter. He uses the wire the DE agent had strapped to him. Yes, the one they inexplicably didn't discover when they murdered him, moved his body over to a place, and left him there for dead. To alert authorities that the jailbird is no longer under their purview. He further alerts authorities, mainly Larkin, to the plot by hurling the frozen corpse of Pinball, who we mentioned had died, off the plane, by writing a note on his chest. Now, Chumzell and I discussed this last night while playing Fortnite, I'm not sure that note makes it through the fall.
0: I mean, it was on—it was written on
1: his shirt, so he—he's a puddle. Yeah, he's—he's he's a puddle when
2: he falls from
0: ten
1: thousand feet. Yeah. Um, th- th- okay, th-
2: look,
0: look, look. I'm just—I'm gonna start a thing st- from now, and it is NTKM. Not that kind of movie. Okay, fair. Just but I shirt make it N T K M. Not I, that kind well, of movie, kid. But my N-T-K-M. point
2: my, my point is though, and I mentioned this last night, he's already in a prison uniform. So you would have been able to identify where he had where he, wh- where he had come from.
1: And where he you know, dropped from he, you could estimate. Yeah they,
2: yeah, they would have been like, hey, I got a deputy from so-and-so's here, you know, so-and-so here. Call that department up. Hey, I got so and so's body here. Oh, well, he's a white guy. He's not black. And he was supposed to be flying on an airplane. Oh crap. Yeah. Like oh, granted, this is the nineties, the internet and cell phones weren't ubiquitous yet completely, but it just seems like that like writing a note and leaving a note was like a step that didn't need to be taken.
1: Also. And wasn't believable. But yeah, it is going. On. It's an extensive note. For him being underneath the plane with somebody else who doesn't pay attention to him long enough. But anyways, I'm going to ask about this later. I do have a question about the least sensible plot point. We'll save all the ridiculous shit that happens in this movie for that. Uh, So, why is Pinball frozen dead underneath the plane? Because he was flirting with a woman. Doesn't realize they have to rush the takeoff because the authorities find the recording device on the fake prisoners. Which leads to Malkovich panicking. They're taking off. So, now Larkin has learned they're making an unscheduled stop at a small airport within driving distance. It is there Cyrus is meant to abscond with the drug lord's son. From here, backstabbing betrayals, beatdowns, explosions, running Nick Cage, flowing mullets of glory, and another plane takeoff occurs. It is fucking bonkers. And in the midst of all this, Cameron must secure a syringe for baby who's a diabetic, and we didn't mention that, and he's dying and then gives himself what must be the most ridiculous pep talk in movie history to psych himself up to run through the war zone, even though this is a relatively small space they're in, and he could just run around the violence. Instead, he runs straight through it, because that's what heroes do. Explosions in the background, flowing hair, jumping, awesomeness, gets to the plane, saves his friend. It's fantastic. Meanwhile, Cyrus, who is betrayed by the drug lord's kid, and subsequently lights him on fire, attempts to escape one last time in the jailbird. Uh Uh-uh, buddy. Cameron's not going to let this happen. And the plane crashes into the Vegas Strip, smashing the Sands Hotel and Casino. You would think this is where the movie movie ends, except Cyrus, the ever-persistent, attempts another escape atop a fire truck. Again, Cameron's not having that shit. He's a hero, goddammit. He and Larkin... This is con ladder. (laughs) Wait, what? He and Larkin, and I shit you not, (laughs) hop aboard matching motorcycles to chase down Cyrus the Virus. And Diamond Dog and Swamp Thing. Yeah, and it all culminates with Cameron fighting Cyrus atop the fire truck, uttering one of the worst pre-mortem one-liners maybe in cinema history, and handcuffing him to the ladder. Cyrus is then... crashes through a skybridge... Hurls through the air about 25 feet, lands on some power lines and is electrocuted, then falls, he's not dead yet, falls into a rock crusher and only dies because the rock crusher smashes his head.
0: Rasputin. (laughs) He goes out like
2: Rasputin. So like a a grim, dark version of Wile E. Coyote. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. of that. Very Looney Tunes-like. So, I mean, so is this whole movie, though. So yeah. it's fine. Yeah, but it really, that second climax there at the end, that's, that was, the movie could have ended with the plane crash. We would have been okay.
1: Yeah, and he's just dead at the wheel or something. So, okay. but, but,
2: but, but as you would say, Captain Cash, they had five more million dollars to spend and they did. Yeah. Gotta put it somewhere. Uh, what do you think? Like, Ladder hey, fight we're, on we're, a. We're at 70 fire million. Uh, we got five more million to spend here, guys. What do you want to do? Yep. I don't know. Grab those motorcycles, get that fire truck and so, uh, fire up
0: that for, pulverizer. First million is going to be on as much cocaine as we can buy. And I'm thinking matching motorcycles.
1: This, <laughs> this movie was written by two guys sitting in a room, probably engaging in sugar boogery, drinking Red Bull, and just being like, oh, yeah, that's going to fucking
0: rock. Yes. Okay. okay, okay. He doesn't, he's going to fly through the air and hit some power lines. Well, like Jaws? Yes, but wait. Yeah. Hang <laughs> on.
1: Then. <Man. laughs> but, but he's going to handcuff him to the ladder, right? Handcuffs. And be like, buckle up. And then. <laughs> okay, anyways. Family reunion. Hugs, tears. Bunny rabbits. The end. I skipped over quite a lot. But the What's main the question bunny? is, In does does Conair hold up? And I think we all agree that it does. I.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's very watchable.
1: It's a dumb
0: movie, but it doesn't aspire to be anything but a dumb movie in a good time. That's not a problem for me.
1: Aside from it being the worst Nicolas Cage performance we've covered on the pod, and this is his worst performance, this was him like, how big's the check? Can I be Southern? Okay, I'm in. Like, he's very bad yeah. in this movie. He's bad. I, we always
0: talk about how Kate. Like, I don't think he's he's not good. Like there's no way around the accent. The accent not good. Does, does not work. It just, like, Vampire's Kiss, the accent was weird and didn't work, but the character was meant to be unlikable, so it, it worked on that level. Here, he's, the accent and the hair together, like he clearly made a decision. You don't get that kind of hair without being like, I am going to be in the makeup chair for at least an hour as they put this appliance on my fucking head. Are we sure
1: it's a hairpiece? Yes.
2: I'm just saying, I could see Cage growing his hair up.
1: I don't know. I love the hair. I, I, I thought I, it
2: looked very believable. It's bad. It. It's not it a flowed, good It, it,
1: it yeah. looks great in the sunlight. It does everything you need <laughs> it to do. It's um, probably the highlight of the movie, <laughs> especially during the running sequence. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I will give Cage credit for being prison jacked in this movie. Um, he's in very good shape. He—he he, can tell he worked out. Although he never takes off his wife beater, so we he's, never get the full—we never get the full Monty. Um, no, you do. It, in he's
1: prison ninety.
0: Prison jacked though. Let's doing, be fair.
1: He's doing handstand push-ups. Oh, that's right. I Forgot about the handstand yeah. pushup. And You're yoga. right. You're
0: right. Oh. So yeah, he,
2: no, he no, he was pretty jacked. I mean, because Cage is not a big dude, so that, I imagine he had to put some work in to to get trim like that
0: apparently Uh, he was working out between set or between takes that was part of the deal he He was working out on set
1: i mean he did all his own stunts which is very commendable because there's some crazy shit that happens in this movie
2: yeah that's fair and it shows i mean you get a lot of like you said mr wizard you get a lot of good shots of him running with the hair flowing it's it's obviously nick cage it is
1: not a stunt i mean he did learn how to do that incredible chuck norris spin kick
2: so. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point.
1: The Chuck Norris spin kick, notwithstanding, because it is glorious. What was the least sensible portion of the plot? I have a very, very concrete scene or part of the movie that I think just makes zero sense.
2: I do as well. For me, I was very confused by John Malkovich's character, Cyrus the Virus, because he was supposed to be the brains of the operation and he was... Clearly portrayed as like the smart guy of the bunch. Yeah, he was conveniently stupid or gullible whenever the plot required. And that really disturbed me. And I'll even extend it to his little Shawshank redemption moment. Like, why would he have left all that evidence behind to be found? It's not like he had a because the you see the guards go into a cell after he's being transported. They're like cataloging the, the bull crap in there and they find a little pile of dirt. And I think it's cocaine, but it turns out it's actually a false cinder block. And behind the false cinder block was his stash of information regarding, you know, his deal with the cartel and, and the schematics of the plane and all these like detailed plans they had for their, their uh, hijacking. But it's not like he could replace that brick every night. Right. So why did he have it stored? Like, I mean, like so he. In my head, I'm thinking he literally had to just seal that up one last time,
1: effectively. I, so what, what it, we're thinking well, is all but, that but evidence you, had been in his ass until he escaped. Right.
2: Or, or you know, like in a condom he swallowed, like Dave Chappelle's character does pinball. But yeah, and you made the comment last night, Mr. Ridgway. Like, well, he wanted to be found out. No, actually he goes out of his way throughout the movie at several points that indicate he does not want to be found out. So I don't buy that either. That wasn't him playing cat and mouse with the prison guards. It just was a really weird thing. And like I said, my, back to my thesis, the inconsistent behavior of Cyrus, the virus, because he always was as dumb or as gullible as the plot. required.
1: Well, and I think that goes to the point to Malkovich being so mad about working on this movie is like what is my character actually because in certain scenes yes he wants to be the guy that's like i owned you like i've been plotting this for months you had no idea and in other scenes he's a panicking mess that's sort of out of control and i think those when you're rewriting constantly and you're filming constantly you can't keep accounting for how characters are changing from day to day and it
0: shows yeah Captain Cat. Look, the, the most unbelievable part of all of this is this question. This is not that kind of movie. This movie requires you to take your brain out and set it beside you, preferably in some sort of bath of booze, and just take in all the insanity. That's all this
1: is. Okay, that's fair. But to me... It's the arsenal under the plane. The arsenal under the plane solely exists for the corridor shootout at the airport that I can't remember the name of in the random airfield. Because the convicts are like, ah, oh, we're have we done. Oh, it turns out we have all these weapons of war at our disposal that are just sitting under the plane. For one, there's so many weapons under there that'd be like five to a guard. It's so ridiculous. And it... That's only a plot point to set up that action sequence. And that is why it is the least sensible thing to happen in this movie.
0: N. T. K. M.
2: Yeah, if you're in the fifth grade, that is not a problem you have with this movie. You're like, of course the cop plane has guns under it.
1: You know, cops have guns? Why wouldn't cops there be have, guns? Yeah.
2: The, cop, the cop plane would have a lot of guns all, because that is awesome.
1: All guns the cops cannot get to in a quick enough fashion. Now... We we're just talking about all sorts of ridiculous things. Which of the stunts was the most? To hell with it! We've got the money.
0: Ah, uh, that's easy. It's the it's the last fifteen minutes of this film. There's no reason for that to exist other than. Sh- how much money do we still have? Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's do a second climax.
2: Sweet.
1: Why not? It's but it's got to be that ambulance sequence, right? The fire truck. Yeah.
0: Fire truck. Yeah.
1: Fire truck sequence.
2: I'm gonna go. And that I think that's the most unnecessary action scene in the movie. But I think by far the one that was like in the script was like, "Fuck yeah, we got the money to do this," and it's that kill zone shootout at the uh, at the airstrip because you got a bulldozer and everyone you just everybody busts out the guns because let's throw guns into the mix and just make it a shootout. And there's explosions and there's vehicles and there's shotguns and there's uh, Nick Cage hanging out inside a diner for some reason just to be there in time for the explosion just for the explosion when you blow up a plane and you got another plane that is trying to take i mean there's two planes uh you know it's just like that was just bonkers you're right
1: and i'll tell you why it's because the plane takes off with the sports car attached just to destroy the tower
2: and it's like yeah
1: we've got the money might as well do it
2: and I want to call back to the Speed 2 pod and say that this was a much more satisfying destruction of a convertible than what we got down to Speed 2. Yeah, because this one like, It was more something. funny. It was a punchline. Yeah, yeah it, there was a payoff on, on that one. So, yeah, I forgot about the sports car. Thank you for furthering my point, Mr. Wizard.
1: Well, that leads us into the best action sequence of the movie, in which case I agree with Captain Cash in his assessment of what is the most needlessly... Wasteful scene of the movie. I love the end of the movie. It's so ridiculous. It's so 90s to have John Malkovich literally probably be dead seven times just to get his head crushed by a rock crusher. It's it's fantastic.
2: The only issue I have in theory with that second climax after the plane crashes into the strip is the look that John Cusack and Nick Cage exchange as they hop on their matching motorcycles that caused my eyes to roll so hard and forcibly that I, like scraped the back of my skull. I'm like, oh my god, I, I had forgotten about that. I had literally wiped that from my memory because I've seen this movie dozens of times because it was a staple of like Cinemax and cable back in the day.
1: The fact that John Cusack is still wearing his like professional sandals
2: that that was just that was just so cheesy. It's like that. <laughs> in a movie that's full of like action movie cliches and and just you know dripping with velveta that was a bridge too far that was, was the, like fuck.
1: that was the back that to was back their, moment.
0: they're winking at the camera at us right there i'm like
1: fuck yeah
0: okay anyway the best action scene in this film is when they actually crashed a goddamn las vegas hotel
1: yeah, yeah. i yeah.
0: loved
2: that yeah. Which that was, was being awesome. destroyed which was being destroyed yeah. and they said hey you guys go ahead go nuts we'll we'll let you it use kinda it it kind
1: of reminds you what's so awesome about the 90s that they were into this wonton destruction like we don't care let's just do it like oh
0: wait wonton destruction or wonton just
1: wontons you eat
0: wonton <laughs> destruction is what happens okay, when i show listen. up at a chinese buffet you guys
1: pronounce shit wrong all the time all right listen I'm, we I'm southern nicolas cage just, now i can do it all <laughs>
0: dear, dear, Back in the 90s, dearest, we all loved the wanton dearest, Casey, of and destruction
1: I'm sorry, I would have been home sooner, but I'm part of this wonton destruction in downtown Las Vegas right now.
2: And then we went to a buffet, and I had me some Chinese food. They had killer crab and that was some true wonton destruction. <laughs> Just like my mama said, life is like a box of wontons. <laughs>
1: All right, so best action sequence, Jumpzilla.
2: So as much as I love the shootout at the airstrip, I actually think my favorite set piece or action scene in the movie, I'll add a caveat there, is the prisoner transfer in Carson City. I think that's got some of the better writing. It's got just enough suspense to make it exciting. And it's pretty interesting. It was kind of a fun scene to see how that played out. Because when you see that for the first time, you're not really sure what's going to happen and it doesn't go exactly as planned and they kind of have to improvise and it works and yeah actually for a minute there the movie almost felt smart and uh interesting you know (laughs) almost smart almost Almost, yeah yeah Yeah. it it was clever it was clever that scene was clever and i enjoyed it it was funny and it was well written two very quick
1: questions because you say the movie almost felt smart we universally agree it's really not very smart and it's full of just terrible quotes, one-liners, pre- or post-mortem quips. Uh, which was the cheesiest? And if you need a refresher, I have a pretty uh, fleshed-out list here.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's hear the list, because I want to hear you, right. the voices. Oh, yeah.
1: I'll do it in the voice of the character as best I can. I the first don't one, recommend that. Being but Pose, why couldn't you put the bunny back in the box? The second <laughs> is Psy Onara.
2: Oh, that was so bad.
1: Here's another, Cyrus the Virus. To me, you're somewhere between a cockroach and the white stuff that accumulates at the corners of your mouth when you're really thirsty. But in your case, I'll make an exception. He hates That's words. one of the
2: better lines in the movie. He delivers that very well. John
1: Cusack says to uh, Cole Meany's character, You with me, or do you need me to draw it in crayon like usual? I like that one. Here's another camper, Pope. Sorry, boss, but there's only two men I trust. One of them's me. The other's not you. <laughs> I actually, I kind of like that one. Here's Osiris the Virus. The last guy who told me to have patience, I burned him down and bagged his ashes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Uh...
2: I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there's points in this movie where John Malkovich is not even comfortable delivering his own lines. He's like,
0: Ugh,
1: this, this was my favorite line of the movie and it comes from colmeany's character he says of course you're having trouble reaching him he's off saving the rainforest or recycling his sandals or some shit <laughs> and that's a reference to larkin
2: <laughs> i, I love i love that the whole dynamic between those two is like god he's such a pussy he thinks about stuff yeah <laughs> like that's literally it. it's like oh fuck him he's trying to figure this out and think he oh, seems sort horse. of
1: educated and, and he wants to do this the right way no, no. We just use blood force. Fuck him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're gonna blow
0: shit
1: up. Yeah. I'm
2: getting a helicopter. We're gonna shoot
1: this shit down.
0: Yeah. Colmini is basically the director, given a character. Like he's he's the director's avatar of. Oh we- no, 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 no! Don't don't think about that. Don't think about it. We're just gonna blow shit up. It's fine.
1: Well, it's it's, fine. especially since then, he goes. Maybe we should have just shot the plane down. It's like, yeah. But he's like, but just this is so in- much fun. <laughs> Another uh, classic of Cameron Poe. Well, Baby O, it's not exactly my ties and Yahtzee out here, but let's do it. Uh, do I have to pick one, or can, I, can we just accept that? It's got to be the Baby O not- line, right? Oh,
0: man. <laughs> no, gotta- I'll do the last
1: one. The last one is also great. This was Steve Buscemi's one of his great contributions to the movie. Because he's always very calm. He's clearly a psychopath. And he goes, I drove through three states wearing her head as a hat. And then uh, camera pose like, you don't have to share everything with me.
2: Today, today's my daughter's birthday. Today's
1: my daughter's birthday. I'd appreciate really hope... it if you would not share everything with me, good sir. I reckon.
2: <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, I, I actually have one. and I used it earlier, and I'll use it again. This is by far my favorite like bad line in the movie. Cyrus let's oh, see if i can get this right cyrus this is your barbecue and it tastes good
1: i that one is very bad it's a very, just, it's a very
2: bad and that's and that's basically poe pledging his allegiance to cyrus yeah well they are not like hey man this is your show brother and cyrus should have been like no fuck you you're squirrely i don't like you right there but he never questions him every time poe says something stupid yeah. to cyrus he's like oh you're cool buddy there's no way you're trying to fuck me, even though suspiciously every time shit goes wrong, uh, you seem to be involved. But no, no, we're good. We're good. You just keep doing you. how Cyrus about it.
1: didn't have access to the plane manifest prior to takeoff to know who all these people were, even well, he though he did, had he le- all he, this he, other information.
2: He did, though. He just left it in his Shawshank stash yeah,
1: back oh, in the fucking prison. Makes sense, yeah. He yeah, boarded whatever. out the plaster of Paris. It,
2: Okay, and uh, again, I'm going to dive down a hole here just to make <laughs> Captain Cash angry. Why do you need a fucking diagram of the plane when your plan was to have Dave Chappelle light a guy on fire? Like It seems that their plan was pretty fucking straightforward, like one index card. Uh, I'm going to have uh, Pinball smuggle in lighter fluid in the match. He's going to light some poor sap on fire, and we're going to take control of the plane in during the mayhem. Sound good to everybody? Cool, cool. Because that's literally their fucking plan. It's not more complicated than that. There's, there's there's nothing else to the plan that needs, like, written down or diagrammed out or, or whatever. It's literally, we're going to create a distraction, and then we're going to take over the
0: plane. That was the plan. My favorite lines in this film are literally anything Pinball says, because he is the only one that sounds like a human the entire time.
1: Yeah. Uh, cheesiest one-liner for me has got to be Nick Cage pumping himself up to run through the mayhem, which is, like, so useless— uh, like if Babyo was next to him and he was running through the mayhem to get the syringe and then running back to him, sure. But he's just talking to himself. It's the most meaningless. It's it's so stupid. I don't. You know,
2: it, and you mentioned it in your plot rundown, Mister Wizard, and you're mentioning it now in reference to your one liner. I do think it's strange that in this movie, it's trying to convince you that Nick Cage really wants to get back and see his daughter, that he gets completely sidetracked effectively to save Bubba
1: well he's a man of honor right but
2: it's kind of like he's a man of honor but it's kind of like I I just feel like the stakes are really high here and the risk is really high and it's not like he was an army hero so much Mm, as that he he was a
1: hero was he I mean the voiceover uh, makes it clear they're all heroes now, I'm not right. like, trying to make light of people that are actual rangers, because they are, in fact, I mean, they're right. putting no, their lives in line. And,
2: and apparently he'd been deployed overseas during, like, the Gulf War or something. I, I don't know. This movie but
1: is he, definitely very, it's it's super, like, pound the chest, America, America, America. He's he's a hero. But he would
2: never end up in jail in the first place. But the, I guess the point being is, like it's like, he seems to be really willing to risk getting back to his daughter he's never seen before just to save some diabetic dude that he did time with. It's just, I have a hard time buying it.
1: Well, obviously you're not a man of honor.
2: And I guess I'm asking the wrong kind of questions in this kind of movie. Yeah,
1: exactly. Last thing, very quickly. We've done a lot of Nicolas Cage movies. I've loved all of them. The toughest Nicolas Cage character that we've done on the pod, is it Archer Troy? Is it Caster Troy? Is it Frank Walsh, the big game hunter? Is it Cameron Poe? Or is it the man on the highway to hell, John Milton?
0: I need some clarification here. When you say toughest, you put what them, do you mean?
1: You put, them all, in a fight? you put them all in a locked bar, and they just fight it out. Or it's like a yeah. steel cage match.
0: No question, John Milton takes a W. While having sex with at least one waitress.
1: Okay. I mean, I, I think that's fair qualification for why he would win. Chubzilla.
2: Well, uh, it's a tough one for me. But Poe did have to register his hands as deadly weapons in the state of Alabama. So, for me, yes. he takes the cake over Caster Troy. Because there's two things you never discount in a fight, fellas. Redneck and Crazy.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, I think you you guys both bring up good points because Milton's very adept at having, being in the midst of coitus but also engaging in a shootout. Now, Cameron Poe, his hands are deadly weapons. He's highly trained, but you know what neither of them can do? Lurk around a a ship with a bunch of Karari darts, taking out big game, and that's why I choose Frank Walsh. He fights well, from the there shadows.
2: Was, I thought this was mono-e-mono, though. Hold well, on.
1: When you're a hunter, it is mano a mano. It's just a different type. I'm just
0: saying, when it came to a fight that involved multiple people attempting to kill him, John Milton managed to murder at least eight people while never removing himself from his...
1: Yeah, his romantic entanglement. Yes, there
0: we go. Thank you. It's probably because be he has a corkscrew way. penis like a duck. <laughs> Listen... No one's ever said Nicholas Cage doesn't have a corkscrew penis like a duck. So I feel like that's on the table.
1: Now, the only way to really settle this is to get all these Nick Cage personalities into an actual bar, lock the door, and let them fight.
0: Cage match!
1: Yes, which I think, hashtag cage match, which I think we can make happen. (laughs) But before we do, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it is Diamond Dogs Twisted Trivia Challenge. It is trivia solely about the greatest plane ride in the history of plane rides, Con Air. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Slops, presented by RevengeTheFans.com. We are at 30,000 feet, just tr- chugging Danny Trejo's sweet Mexican lager. It is delightful. And we Woo-hoo. have the Diamond Dogs... Twisted Trivia Challenge. Now, through the course of the pod, we actually mentioned a couple of these questions, and some of them were my favorites. For example, Yes, Simon West did direct Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley, so you can thank him for what has become the greatest prank in history.
0: Yeah. I mean, if it's not there. the greatest, at least the most prolific.
1: But we I mean, shall... it's literally
0: the internet's version of the
2: whoopee cushion.
1: Yeah. That is true. But we sell soldier forth because that is what cameron poe would want of us i have come up with a series of questions multiple choice relating to this movie and to chime in simply say sigh (laughs) anara
0: oh that hurts me
1: are you so bad
2: (laughs) mr wizard this is your barbecue and i like the way it tastes
1: okay You really like my barbecue, which is slightly disconcerting, but we'll, we'll move on.
2: It's almost as good as your peaches.
1: Now, imagine if he said that line in this accent.
2: I sure do love to eat me some peaches, penne.
0: I was going to say, why, why all of a sudden did Nicholas Cage's character become... Uh, mentally slow. What happened? Me and Panay go together like chicklets and peaches,
1: and Doritos and snowballs. Oh my God! Uh, anyways, uh, okay. Before any more just horrific impressions occur, here is number one. Con Air boasts that the Rangers have been protecting America's interests since the 1700s. In what year were they actually founded? Was it A, 1676? Was it B, 1776? Was it C, 1812? Was it D, 1917? Or was it E,
0: 1941?
1: Sayonara, 1941.
0: Incorrect. Yeah. Damn. Uh,
2: sayonara, 1812.
1: Incorrect. You're both, both wrong. It was 1676. America
0: wasn't a country then. How is that possible? I I I I the Rangers,
1: the Rangers were founded in 1676. The first military company officially commissioned as Rangers were New England soldiers fighting in King Philip's War. And then there was uh, interpretations of them in the Revolutionary War and so on and so forth. Now, I mean, this is... It's obviously heavily romanticized because the scope of of what the Rangers are and what they do has changed dramatically
2: okay so wait a minute i'm gonna call bullshit on your question then mr wizard because what date range did the movie actually give us if you're telling me it's the
1: 1600s what did the movie tell us it was i think the movie i think the writers of the movie confused the 17th century and the 1700s as being too. ah that's similar an easy mistake to make <laughs>
2: yeah i you know what the only reason I really stress that in my own mind is because Jeopardy, because I've gotten that's that's confused me in Jeopardy so many times playing at home. Yes, guys, the 17th century is the 1600s. It's you always got to go back one
0: because there was no there was no century zero. How do you have Army Rangers if there's no America? I, just, I a, feel like it doesn't count. Where
1: they're just I, Rangers. This they is a bullshit question. Because the on. Army. I, I, didn't exist yeah it's technically a bullshit this, question but you no, guys you, got it wrong you, you fucked us there you man. should have you known it us. wasn't any of the logical choices
0: <laughs> for this movie, you're absolutely right that was clearly that would have been the smart move
1: number two multiple tragedies have a connection to this movie which of these tragedies actually occurred a the same airplane used for the flight scenes crashed into alaska's denali park killing three people in 2013. B. Nicholas Cage, who'd purchased the plane after filming, was not aboard when some associates of his crashed it into the Pacific Ocean. C. On set, a welder was tragically killed as he was crushed by a model of the Fairchild C-123K plane. D. During the hectic and destructive finale, an extra was crushed by some of the stray debris since it was the only take of that scene it still exists in the movie
2: sayonara it is c
1: okay i that is sayonara.
0: I, I don't want any of them to be true this is a sad and tragic question i the, don't care for it at all
1: so i'll, I'll give it to chumzilla because there's actually an e both a and c or f both b and d but yes a welder was killed when he was crushed oh, by a of the plane and a which was the airplane used for filming crashed into Alaska's Donnelly Park, killing three people. That also happened. Multiple Jeez. tragedies. Yeah. So this was an actual plane in existence. And of course, like prison transport planes are a real thing. The most believable part of the movie. Also
2: the plane in the movie is like stored somewhere like at a museum. Yeah. You can you can go see the Conair like the the plane they used. The mock-up or whatever.
1: I'll post a whole bunch of stuff to social, but, like, if you want to learn about the behind-the-scenes of Con Air and all the these, like, weird facts, like, this movie's popular, and there's quite a few articles, and it's it's pretty fun to look back and be like, holy shit, like, not only was this movie insane, but some of the things associated with this movie are also insane. So it is one-nothing, Chumpzilla. Oof. We are on number three. Con Air was nominated for two, count of two Oscars best sound mixing, and best original song. Which of these movies beat it out for both? Was it A, Goodwill Hunting? Was it B, L.A. Confidential? Was it C, Air Force One? Was it D, Titanic? Or was it E, The Lost World, Jurassic Park? Sayonara. Sayonara. That was very close, but I'm going with Captain Cash. It's got
0: to be Titanic. There's no way it's not Titanic.
1: That is correct.
2: Yeah, that was an easy one. Well I th-
1: played. Sir. I threw Jurassic Park in there because I thought with sound mixing that would be like, oh yeah, well there's dinosaurs and shit. Like that's crazy. Uh, it's gotta be. It's gotta be that. What was the
0: song in Jurassic Park? <laughs> was it? Near Follow far, chest, gold yeah.
1: Follow Harry. just you
0: Like that. That gave Celine Dion a career beyond her already career. You know, I'm just surprised this movie wasn't nominated for sound editing.
2: But then again, it was no Ghost in the Darkness.
0: No Ghost in the Darkness, yeah, that's sir. that's also true. Number and eight. to be fair, it would have to win for sound editing.
1: Yeah. Yes. So we're at one apiece. Well, that would have put it on par
2: with Face Off. That's fair. Which was Wouldn't... nominated
1: one apiece. Worst stunt doubles, face off. <sighs> Oscar for the stunt doubles who look nothing like either of the stars. Face off. Let's just put them both in black suits. Fuck it. Nobody will tell the difference. Yeah. Who knows who's driving the boat? Who knows? Uh, number four. Conair was also nominated for a Razzie. Which of these awards did it take home? Was it A, worst wig, was it B, worst accent? Was it C, worst reckless regard for human life and public property? Was it D, worst on screen duo, Cage and Malkovich? Or was it E, worst actor, Nicolas Cage? Sayonara. That's Chumpsilla.
2: D, worst on screen duo.
1: Incorrect.
2: Oh! Sayonara, worst actor
1: incorrect it was worst reckless regard for human life and public property which i'm fairly sure may have been invented for this movie
2: i think so yeah i didn't, I didn't recognize the category yeah
1: and it's it's a category to this day so i'm sure man I, of steel won it
0: <laughs> see i guess i guess if i'm being fair nick cage isn't a bad
1: actor in this
0: it's just the accent is a little goofy
1: no he's bad
0: He's I there. mean he's a, little, he's a little stilted as well but and uh, the accent's part of it
1: but anyway so we're still tied at one apiece number six yeah. John Malkovich was not the first pick for the role of Cyrus the Virus it was Gary Oldman who guess what that checks out s- still took yeah, over the I- plane and <laughs> and he decided to have the bad accent many others were also considered which of these actors was not I stress was not was not was it okay. A, Ed Harris? Was it B, Tim Robbins? Welcome back to the pod. Was it C, yeah. Kevin Bacon? Was it D, Val Kilmer? Or was it E, William Hurt?
0: Sayonara? Captain Cash. Kilmer. Correct. Ah, wow. Kilmer was... was too deep in his hero mode through this. Yeah. I was going to was... go, with... I was gonna I go mean, with
1: William Hurt. Could you imagine Tim Robbins as Cyrus the Virus? No, but it's I mean, a name. I maybe Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon actually has played some evil people recently, but ninety-seven Kevin Bacon. I don't know. I love But
2: the point is, you say consider they were names. Yeah, they were names. William Hurt's the one that stuck out to me as being the oddball. Well, he's he just, seems a bit old. He's just so for that good. Role.
1: I mean, all these actors are very good, but William Hurt's yeah. really selective about his movies. Mm-hmm. He totally he yeah. went to the MCU and he fell off a cliff. Sorry, William. <laughs> you can't even rebuttal. Fuck off, Captain Cash. I was just he kidding. Oh, he's he's Thunderbolt Ross.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, You're
1: it is like cliff. some of his like not John acting. Hurt.
0: That's what I was doing. That's what I was doing. Uh, That's what I was doing too.
1: I
2: was doing I was doing John Hurt and Alien, not William Hurt. I'm I mean, like, yeah. wait,
0: the guy
1: from Snowpiercer. No, William don't... Hurt, as in. Like, yeah, you no, I, chill, I know. I know. You know. Yeah. All right. Number He's seven. The greatest Thunderbolt
0: Ross. Fuck you.
1: S- he was not as good as Sam Elliott. Speaking of stars. Wow,
0: that's not fair. Cage also. Sam Elliott was hired for that role based on his mustache alone. True. Yeah.
1: Anyway. So, number seven. Speaking of stars, Cage also had some stiff competition for the role of Cameron Poe. Which of these actors was not considered? Was it A Arnold Schwarzenegger? God, I would have loved, would have loved that. B Slash Stallone. C Jean Claude Van Damme. B, D Bruce Willis. E Steven Seagal. Or F Billy Baldwin. I can
0: Sayonara. Be... Captain Cash. I'm gonna say Billy Baldwin. Like, I feel like that's too obvious.
1: Oh but... my God, you got it.
0: Really? Yes. Really? I it's was Billy like Baldwin. I uh, was so far out there, I was like. This feels like a red herring, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Billy Baldwin? I mean,
1: it's really weird how dramatically the character is changed if it's any of these actors. Right. Uh, Billy Baldwin, by the way, a just markedly better pick than Steven Seagal. Thank God Hollywood realized that Steven Seagal sucks. And, as I will mention, until the end of time, Steven Seagal is a fraud. And Judo Jean LaBelle choked him out and made him shit his pants. Fuck Steven That's Seagal
2: that's a fact folks that is science
1: i hate steven I... seagal he's a fraud he's also a sex trader. i wasn't wrong about that i looked it up he's a terrible person
2: so here's the thing i was going to go with van damme because I, 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 for the same reason i would say arnie would not be a good pick is like if you don't like the accent you get out of uh <clears throat> nick cage you're definitely not gonna like the accent you get out of uh the Austrian Oak, or out of Van Dam, But <clears throat> Arnold's a name, and I can see him being attached to a project. Although, I will give uh, JVD some credit, because that dude can rock a mullet. So, maybe it works,
0: I don't know. But you go hard target. You go. All you have to do is, he's not from Alabama, he's from Louisiana, and we call it a Cajun accent, and no one notices. And his, It's the 90s.
1: His, yeah, his uncle's for- a crazy Creole guy that lives in the woods. Charles!
2: Yeah, and just for the record, we've made this mistake on a previous pod. We referred to Nick Cage's character in this movie as being Cajun. That was a hard target cross up. He's from Alabama. So, sorry, folks. No offense to you, Cajuns or Alabamans.
1: I would have paid good money for uh, Wilford Brimley to shoot the plane with one of his arrows <laughs> riding on horseback across. These are my
2: testing supplies. Oh, boy. Can you imagine the guy that directed the Rick Astley video also directing Wolford Brimley? I think that's like that's like an internet meme inception. Yeah. We've gotta. We've got to meme, look that up. We've got a meme inside
1: of a meme. Yeah. In a meme. Okay, and uh, I, I. I mean, think technically, a them, Captain, to Captain Cash, cash wins because yeah. the last question, and I'll just share it on the pod, but. Uh, the yeah, dearly departed Mary McCheese ruined it via text message was uh, which insepid uh, Kid Rock song was inspired by this movie and it was American Badass. Yes, it was inspired by Cameron Poe in this movie.
0: You know, <laughs> that really tracks with basically everything I think about Kid Rock. So, no, that's fine that's fine
1: so i had some like really great choices that i thought would be What's like account? oh it'd be confusing it was cowboy redneck paradise lonely road of faith you never met a white boy quite like me i thought it would be like really good
2: what, and what you should have thrown into you should have thrown some foreigner in there just going with dirty little white boy
1: yeah <laughs> dirty white boy
2: I will say this. You can shit on Kid Rock for a lot of reasons, and he deserves most of it. Namely, he also butchered both Warren Zevon's Werewolves of London and Leonard Skinner's Alabama, or Sweet Home Alabama, and that awful mashup song. song? What the fuck is that song? What the fuck is that song? Yeah, how do you manage to murder two perfectly good songs at the same time in such a spectacular fashion?
1: He murdered uh, a whole catalog of his own songs.
2: So forget about yeah. other people's so, songs. Yeah. So, so my point of being is, like, you can shit on uh, Bob Ritchie for a lot of reasons. But I will give that dude some credit. He actually played most of the instruments on his first album. Like, apparently that guy is a legit musical talent. So I'll give him some credit there. If you can play the drums, bass, and guitar on your own record and sell a zillion records, you know what? You do you, buddy. Like, I, I won't fault you for that. At
1: okay. least he's a, well.
2: a working musician. But, yeah, I, I just, uh, I can't believe that he managed to mangle Werewolves of London and Sweet Home Alabama at the same time. With the, it's just impressively it, destructive.
1: With the shocking revelation that Chumpzilla loves, 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 loves Kid Rock's music, we're going to take a quick break uh, and a breather, and we're going to come back, we're just going to do some recommendations And uh, tell you what's coming up on the pod. We'll be right back. Uh I'm Uh a cowboy, baby!
0: Uh
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Kid Rock Celebratory Hour. We're chronicling all of his discography and talking about how great it is, it's full of hits. Uh, some are remakes but still hits and they're still awesome. Chumpzilla loves all of them. He has copies of the Platinum Records. I don't know if he had any Platinum Records. I might be making that up, but I'm sure he might have. But now we're going to recommend to you some other things. Aside from Kid Rock. Sorry, Chumpsilla, We know you love him. And Sheryl Crow duets. So <laughs> My recommendation
0: is that you don't fucking listen to Kid Rock. He is he is terrible. Uh, my recommendation this week is going to come in the form of please wear a mask. Uh, please wear a mask. I thought you were going to say. Uh,
1: I thought you were going to duck say DuckTales. Duck for sure.
0: And or I, The Expanse. I I would recommend that you watch DuckTales or The Expanse. Uh, what else have I recommended repeatedly? Watchmen is a great show on HBO. It's free uh, now, uh, so uh, actually the, the, that's a the, good
1: recommendation.
0: The, the Harley Quinn show. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. That that was the other one I've done multiple times. The Harley Quinn show. But no, no, no. Uh,
2: Spider-Verse. Yeah, Spider-Verse. Do you want us to keep going? Like We can. There's only that's like two fine. more.
0: Listen, I consume a very finite amount of media. I'm a very busy individual. Hey, folks, just watch all that shit with a mask on, okay? Yeah. Just, yeah, seriously. All, my recommendation for this week is just please, when you go out, wear a mask. That's all. Yeah. That's
2: fair.
1: Because uh, uh, hey, I'll,
0: I'll add to
2: the political commentary here. Sorry to cut you off, Mister Wizard, but no, no I do enjoy the fact that I live in the South, where we value
1: where we rugged, value
2: individualism, Kid
1: Rock's music,
2: and, and Kid Rock's music, <laughs> um, and you know we watch Con Air as part of our Sunday church services because it's so goddamn impressive. Uh, yeah, he's essentially decided, Jesus, so sorta. Like, Kinda, a, I can see that with the like, long hair and the sort of beard, and yeah, he's like Army Ranger Jesus. He fell down three times. He returns from you know the hell of death of prison, prison.
1: Yeah, yeah. wait yeah. a minute. Saves, Is Nicholas Cage Jesus? Have we made like some great discovery of the, theological I mean, proportions?
0: Yeah, I mean, can somebody tell me that he's not? I'm willing but, to accept Nicholas Coppola as my Lord and Savior. I will second I. that.
2: But, no, I just enjoy being down here in our uh, southern nether regions of the country. We've just decided we got bored with the pandemic, and uh, we're just not going to wear masks and stuff anymore because, yeah, fuck
0: it. Because we're all going to die immediately. <laughs>
1: well, what's your, ac- what's your actual recommendation? <laughs> oh, um,
2: so my recommendation, guys, I really enjoyed this because being on lockdown and having a little bit of extra free time. The Harley Quinn show? Uh, I have not caught that yet, but I'm sure it's great. Uh, Some jackass on the internet keeps recommending it. But what I have enjoyed, because I'll be honest, I read comics as a kid, but I haven't kept up as a young adult and an adult. But I do enjoy checking in on the source material of some of my favorite movies and kind of following up on what some of the plot lines are doing and things like that. There's a guy who not necessarily focuses on the contemporary stuff, but just does general overviews of comics and comic tropes. The guy's name is Chris Pierce. He does this uh, YouTube channel, comic tropes, and I really enjoy it because he talks about the storylines from stuff I remember from the '80s and the '90s, along with the contemporary stuff. And he also does like highlights on some of the creators and the artists and the writers, and it's really good stuff. It's relatively well researched, and I-, I just really enjoy it. Like he's got a good YouTube channel, uh, Captain Cash. Are you familiar? Uh, no, I'm not, but I'll check it out. Chris Pierce. Yeah, 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 comic tropes. Just YouTube comic or trope. Google comic tropes. And and he kind of sort of breaks the stuff down in a similar fashion that we do on the pod. He's got like uh, some like, you know, reoccurring themes and gags and stuff he does. And like I said, the guy researches his videos really well and they're very um, informative and they're not like overly opinionated. He's just kind of like, here's what's out there, guys. Here's here's like the rest of the story about some of your favorite comic characters, creators and storylines. So that's all I got.
1: Okay, Uh, that's pretty solid. I made a commitment and even though this is a bonus episode, uh, that I was going to recommend Nicolas Cage movies solely throughout Rage with Cage. Uh, I never wavered from that. I certainly won't do it now. My Cage pick for the week is Bangkok Dangerous. Now, McCheese, who was supposed to appear on the pod, always picks movies that are like a huge hit, Face Off and this, and... uh The movie where Pierce Brosnan just looks handsome and shit happens around him.
0: So handsome. That's literally every Pierce Brosnan movie.
1: So I decided to recommend a movie that sucks. And it's Bangkok Dangerous. Now, it's 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. But forget all that. Rotten Tomatoes sucks. Worse than this movie. Uh, It's actually not that bad. And he cuts a man's arm off with a boat propeller. So I feel like that makes it worth watching. And I enjoyed it for what it was. Not great, not terrible. Uh, So I have a time watching Nicolas Cage with, and this is why I don't think he wears a wig in Con Air, because in Bangkok Dangerous, he also has a very unique haircut. And it's clearly his hair. So, check it out.
2: Is the propeller
0: scene like an extra scene from Orca? I wish. Speaking of that's what we're doing next week when we return to animals attack
1: yes uh we're coming back with orca when mother nature needs to enact its own brand of justice just like Nicolas cage on this plane it says you know what whaling industry i'm gonna murder your finest british actor i'm gonna eat him alive and that's what orca is and it's gonna be spectacular Gaia's Vengeance. Now,
2: that that that's John Hurt, right? John Harris. Yeah. Dumb- Dumbledore? Dumbledore. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. First yeah, that, Dumbledore. I, was,
2: I was making the William Hurt-John Hurt joke, but yes, I was just trying to get to Dumbledore. Sorry.
1: In the wise words of Garland Green, Steve Buscemi, and following on the advice of my two compatriots here, Defiant irony, a bunch of idiots dancing around on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. The virus is not gone. Cyrus the virus may be, but the virus is not gone. Be safe. Take precautions. We're not out of the woods yet.